0: Welcome to another episode of Zoom Cron Week in Review. I'm looking at this big screen in front of me, and that red line that's progressing, it means that we're recording, Allie. Nice. Uh, you say nice now, but man, it's a long week. There's a lot of material to go through. Just uh, just actually listing out the posts kind of made me tired. There's a lot. There was like six or seven.
1: There, You've been busy.
0: And there's only five days in the week, so... But I'm trying to break through narrative control in many, many different ways. And today, one of the things I realized is that being denied public comment, in part because there was no public comment, and I should have right. known that because I'm, I'm looking at all these schedules and agendas, PDF versions, HTML versions, you know, I'm doing my due diligence. But I, I, I biked back in, in sort of anger after uh, stomping out, saying I have better things to do then. Huh. Kind of like that. Um, yeah. And then I realized that it's true. And there was no public comment. It was just a chance for what was it? Um, we're going to start sort of at the, the very first post uh, or the, the most recent one. So that's okay. reverse order just a bit. But I want to I want to get this one off my chest because it was super annoying. And it was oh. a Friday and it's a beautiful day out, even though right yeah. now there's like a storm blowing through yes. and there's like rain. We are sitting here Friday evening. It's May 12th.
1: Is it? Oh, yeah, it is May 12th. It is May 12th. There it was, was s- supposed to be no rain in the forecast, by the way. There was supposed to be yesterday. Then there wasn't any rain. And today it says all sunny. And now there's rain.
0: I saw these these clouds forming uh, when I was downtown doing a little performance. Oh. Kicking off the noise complaint. And I, I hope they're okay as this rain has, has gone through. So, but, so... <laughs> This is the this is the the meeting that I went to, the Missoula Community Advisory Group.
1: I don't know what that means.
0: Neither do I, but it's only the second time they've met.
1: Ever? When did they form?
0: Ever they formed recently, and they were there to talk about some reports on land planning and land equity. I'm I'm kind of like looking at, at the at the schedule, and the reason why I can feel so scrambled is because they actually changed things on Wednesday. So here it is Friday on Wednesday. I was trying to go to committee hearings and, and I was on time. It was nine o'clock. I was confused because I I entered into a presentation by the fire department that was like in the middle of happening. And yeah. Gwen Jones was nice enough city council president, Gwen Jones was nice enough to kind of let me have public comment in the middle oh. uh, because the police department was also coming in they were talking about budgets. Yeah. It was supposed to be land planning. So the thing actually on Friday they were discussing was supposed to be what they began with on Wednesday. Oh. Are, you, are you following, Ellie? Sort of. I'm barely following myself. But um, instead of land planning at 9 a.m., they started with some budget talks at 8.30 a.m. Hmm. And I'm a little annoyed because I'm doing so much work. And the, in the media, I I am I'm a non-existent person.
1: Why do you say that?
0: Well, there's a blackout, I suspect, and I'm going to get into that because that was one of the posts, but okay. wh- where should we begin? Should we begin at the beginning of the week?
1: That makes most sense to me.
0: Okay. Now that now that I kind of ruined it just a little bit by starting with the most recent no, post. It
1: circles back.
0: Okay. It is a circle. It cycles. There was a rainbow crosswalk that has come back to life. So many great things to discuss, and I thank you for being here on a Friday evening. Yeah, to help you bet. Me.
1: I, in in all truthfulness, I truly hope that we do see a rainbow after all these beautiful rainstorms. I honestly do.
0: Do you see what's on my cup?
1: I do. It's what is, what is that? It's a sign of the covenant. It's a um, rainbow. Yeah.
0: And it says, Montana, the end of the rainbow. I bought that at the antique mall. Okay. So, and that actually, I think is in, of course, one of the posts, the picture of my cup, but I'm scrolling back down to the beginning of the week. And it began with song. We listened to that song before we started. Yeah. Did it help get you ready for this this episode?
1: I think I'm mentally prepped now.
0: Well, the song begins actually with a, a Manson reference that might confuse people. But I was listening to a podcast, as often times I do, especially to try and go to sleep. And so God knows what my dreams are like. I don't re- recall them. But yeah, I was listening to a podcast and Charles Manson was being discussed.
1: That's not a very good podcast to go to sleep to.
0: Probably not. So I'm glad I don't recall what's going on in the subconscious Mm -hmm. when I'm sleeping. But what was going on in the podcast that I do recall is a conversation about rats and tests and how there was evidence back when they were looking at rat behavior, okay, of introducing methamphetamine and the insanity that starts taking hold of the rats. Some alpha rat usually rises, kills off the other male rats, has a harem of female rats. It gets like a little mansony. So the fact that methamphetamine is absolutely something that was being introduced in ways during like the, you know, summer of love, you have the idea of LSD and sort of peaceful hippies expanding their consciousness. Well, there was definitely amphetamine. Being being pumped into different scenes, and they were sitting there watching the craziness take hold. So, as we are dealing with a drug epidemic, that fentanyl is kind of the focus in a lot of ways. Right. But methamphetamine is still going strong here in Montana. And at the end of this uh, this episode, Ali, there's I have a song for the cartel. Hmm. It's a really good song.
1: Well, I just one note. I th- I think. The state, in various ways, and I hope this is not controversial, but has done a pretty good job advertising methamphetamine. I also think Breaking Bad did as well. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the more culture promotes something, the more, guess what? We see it.
0: Indeed. Uh, indeed. And so, one of the things um, we're actually going to be talking about is the smiley face cult, the smiley face killer trend um is happening in, in as a phenomenon of young men and I, I might be getting kind of ahead of ourselves here but um that is going to be something we're going to be getting into yeah okay so in the, in the first post though may 8th some lyrics for a community that doesn't understand the nature of the crisis that's in you can listen to the song much more interesting i think than probably listening to us talk about the song um, but there's also some images that are going to be important in the conversation that we're having so if you want to follow along you can go to zoomcron dot com. That's Z-O-O-M-C-H-R-O-N. And I say that because I'm looking at this image that says attention floaters. And it goes from Missoula. And we're looking at the Clark Fork. And there's a lot of good information in terms of where I was standing at the time. And that's Tarkio And then there's Forest Grove. And it's between Tarkio and Forest Grove, where the body of Joey Thompson was found yeah. by from what I understand, the property owner. And that's based on a conversation I had with a volunteer fire guy who I called, left a message with, and he called me back. Yeah. So there's an image there. And then when you scroll down, like I'm doing, to the bottom of the post, there's just a hint of graffiti. And so the language that we're going to be looking at is imagery and numbers and stuff that people can, just anyone actually can graffiti. You know, tags, yeah. phrases. So, we're going to be talking about the validity of taking some of that imagery and then maybe jumping to some of the bigger conclusions that um, people just following along on Twitter may or may not be jumping to. Um, I have one quality guy on Twitter I'm following and kind of communicating with. So, I do appreciate the crowdsourcing to some degree, but there's also some challenges with going too far into that. So, I think we are ready to go on to the next post, and it is me doing some complaining about journalists doing some complaining. Oh. And there's also a picture of the last independent. So the, the Missoula Independent, that's the last uh, one. yes. hmm
1: I miss the Missoula Independent.
0: I do, too. And it's a bit challenging when I see someone that actually goes by the Twitter handle Polly Meth, so Hunter Polly, hi out there if you're listening, uh, a little cranky, and I had to just Document the crankiness because...
1: Why do you say he was cranky?
0: Well, because it's a sad, sad time for any reporters or journalists wanting to make money in Montana doing their work because Lee Enterprises is slashing. They're just like... Ble, 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 bsh, 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 like all kinds of stuff. Yes. That's what the, that goes on in the boardroom. They don't talk anymore. They're just like... Bsh, 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 and they find different ways to like make sure the money keeps on ka But I can't imagine... How it could change when this guy here, um, the editor, uh, this guy, oh, what is it? David McCumber. Um, he's now the executive editor of the Tucson, Arizona publication. So he left. It made Hunter Polly sad. Um, it's Hunter Polly's little tweet here says, I suppose this is the closest we'll get to Montana's largest newspaper chain admitting they laid off the state's top editor. Crucially, no news on who is steering the ship under the state's under the state government's onslaught against press freedoms. And then I said in response, so are journalists like you going to do something about this deplorable state of affairs for local media? Or are you just going to complain about it on Twitter? And then he said, pay me. And then I said, just stop complaining. How much might be worth it? And he quoted a price of $900.
1: Well, I mean, at least he was honest about that. I I, know. know, he, He was bringing attention to a real problem.
0: Well, part of the problem I found is when I went to muckrack.com and looked at the stuff that he's writing for, like, um, the Daily Beast and for MSN, he has this article. Her dad is a far-right militia boss. She's organizing a pro-choice rally. And then there's another headline. He was accused of bullying a suicidal teen. Now he's trying to dox COVID snitches. Um, if we want to talk about bullying someone who's suicidal, we can talk about my uh, former boss. Um, but maybe maybe we'll just leave that simmering. <laughs> I'm hinting in, in blog posts and in other ways, song sometimes, about the things that I can't write about yet. But anyways, again, I'm moving too far ahead. We're talking about Hunter Polly at Polymeth. Meth. Follow him on Twitter if you want. And you can see that he's sad about the media in Montana going kaput.
1: I am also sad about the media's crisis right now
0: monday at city club they're gonna be talking about it but isn't this an opportunity for a wily blogger to have people start showering him with money to do his work and there are some amazing donations coming in i do want to really thank um multiple donations i mean it's been uh it's been good to get some financial buffering because i'm not blighted that's good i'm not blighted Um, Moving on. Let's see. What do we got here? I don't don't know if there's much else that's interesting in this bonus post, but that was a bonus post until we get to something with a little bit more substance on May 9th. And so May 9th is when we are now going to start talking about the symbolism of graffiti. The title of the post, are the symbols, are their symbols and tactics being shared by an online subculture of killers? Are there?
1: Yes, in so some cases.
0: We drove out there, and you saw this graffiti. Yes. <clears throat> and what was your impression?
1: Childish. I mean, the, the first impression, I, I'm sort of a feeler, so I can sense things. I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it exactly. I see things with my eyes, but I, I mostly, like, feel them. I feel the weight of them. And in this particular case, for, I... For whatever reason, I just I, it kind of felt like high schoolers.
0: So seven seven seven, you pretty quickly uh, understood the numero- numerological uh, meaning with in terms of Christian thinking mm. when it well, comes seven to
1: is the number of perfection,
0: and three sevens. And I found this when I was kind of looking this up. but Like th- seven 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 is sort of a divine yeah. It's also in the Kabbalah, something significant. And so Aleister Crowley, a well-known occultist and son of a bitch, in my humble opinion, has a book with 777. I think it's Lieber all 777 in the title. We also are looking at the graffiti images of a pentagram. So pretty kind of obvious upside down pentagram with a circle around it. I love Satan. Also boobs in the same color as I love Satan what
1: yeah i mean high
0: school vibe uh, yeah it, yeah yeah
1: but i mentioned something earlier too that sometimes i've seen graffiti which seems innocuous on the surface but it also has a very dark presence to it too
0: yeah no we were talking before recording um a, a couple of days ago about about that impression that um that i think you can get in is something that people that do have extrasensory abilities, which you know a lot of people do, and they're tapping into that. My ability to summarize right now is a bit stunted just because of fatigue. So I'm gonna use Wikipedia, as I often do, for shorthand, so people can understand just a bit quickly, a bit more quickly than I can explain it. The smiley face killer phenomenon. So this is from Wikipedia, don't blame me for using it. The smiley face murder theory, also known as the smiley face murders, or smiley face killings, a bunch of other permeations, Is a theory advanced by retired New York City detectives Kevin Gannon and Anthony Duarte, as well as Dr. Lee Gilbertson, a criminal justice professor and gang expert at St. Cloud State University. It alleges that a number of young men found dead in bodies of water across several Midwestern American states from the late 90s to the 2010s, and of course, happening now, did not accidentally drown, as concluded by law enforcement agencies, but were victims of a serial killer or killers. That's plural. The term smiley face became connected to the alleged murders when when it was made public that the police had discovered graffiti depicting a smiley face near locations where they think the killer dumped the bodies in at least a dozen of the cases. Gannon wrote a textbook case study on the subject titled Case Studies in Drowning Forensics, a book I'm glad I have. The response of law enforcement investigators and other experts has been largely skeptical. Skate fast, eat ass. That is another image
1: that was an abrupt transition from the wikipedia article. i know
0: i know and i i actually i'm sorry i kind of delighted in knowing that that was going to be abrupt but skate fast eat ass in red graffiti and then a, a little smiley face
1: that for whatever reason feels more serious than the pentagram satan stuff i don't know why
0: hmm and veggies so someone added something that was a healthy suggestion in in terms of what would probably give you a little bit more quality nutrition
1: eat veggies
0: mm-hmm. as an alternative to the, the other thing I said so the graffiti you know it, it does seem a bit childish a bit amateurish a bit uh high schoolish one of the things that I am I am interested and worried about is how this has become such a cultural thing now there's people on Twitter that are looking you're, you're blushing stop <laughs> stop blushing um, there, there are people on Twitter that are looking at the phenomenon in Austin and Chicago. And Missoula, I think it's important to know, does have some pretty strong Chicago ties, especially up north. It
1: does.
0: The Pritzker. So Linda Pritzker and the Thousand Buddha Garden place. Uh, we, all, we have some diehard Democrats. You know, yeah. I think it's safe to say that Chicago and Missoula have somewhat of a bit of an umbilical cord when it comes to a Democratic political line. Uh, that we were also one of the 32 states that were involved in the Victory Fund uh, oh, money yeah. money washing money I laundering scheme for that. Hillary Clinton back in the day before shit really got weird so Joey Thompson allegedly went missing in this area last seen by friends 4am-ish it's been information has been kind of trickling in to both you and I even just today biking around I ran into people that, that gave me more information and it's, it's hard to kind of even know what what to state at this point I think we'll yeah. be pretty careful There's a yeah. post I have brewing in my head I want to talk to you about yeah um but th- there is a point in which there's questions that anyone in the family okay, One of the, one of the things that's uh, clearly upsetting, I think to someone like Angela Mastrovito, who's probably watching this, I would imagine, um, since her daughter was found in May by the Clark Fork river, 2022, um, in of last year, it's, uh, it's a bit awful to be biking around and to have a conversation with some young people that are talking about how it feels to be their own investigators, to have to be putting together information that they are gleaning from talking to their friends. This is this is them crowdsourcing it themselves. And it's really, really sad because um, clearly there's information that is out there among a lot of people that know friends of Joey Thompson, people that, you know, were around him uh, before he went missing and then ultimately was found in the water yeah. and he was found in Mineral 40 County
1: miles downriver
0: 40 miles. If we are to believe that he went into the river in the Southside area west of Missoula and he was found by the property owner, again, I think I mentioned that at the beginning of this, of this uh, recording, somewhere between Tarkio and Forest Grove. So big questions are swirling. People are wondering why they have to be their own investigators well, pe- because they're not getting paid for that shit.
1: People are desperate for closure.
0: That is another thing that is being denied by, we can only speculate, is it incompetence, is it complicity? I don't know.
1: And some of it is the criminal justice system itself because of CCGI, um, confidential criminal justice information. Some of it is the system itself and some of it is somewhat what you call the media blackout um, where other people are being sort of boxed out of.
0: Well, and when they're being boxed out, whether it's the criminal justice system or maybe uh, a a more conventional media platform that would help bring awareness to a family seeking closure. You have this uh, phenomenon of ignoring reality and it, it provides frustration. You, Allie got to see that frustration. When? So May 10th, the next post we're going to get into, and this is the one where I have a picture of my new coffee mug. Oh yes. The end of the rainbow here in Montana, ignoring reality won't stop people in zoom town from losing their shit. John, if you're listening, you kind of lost your shit in front of city council. Oh, So John lost his shit a bit and it might be a good time to think of, huh, how best do we try and handle? I myself have been like frequently feeling triggered and have like been right on that edge of losing my shit. And also I think, you know, probably losing my shit. I think beyond you the edge, beyond the edge of losing, sh- losing my shit. So I'm trying to have wait, sympathy. Wait,
1: that is a fantastic title for a book.
0: Oh, I I still think I want to go with Last Best Place to Kill Your Wife.
1: Well, that's dark. It is dark. I like the other one.
0: John's public comment, a bit frustrating. You can listen to it. I took a little snip, recorded it on my phone, and then transposed it to the Vimeo thing so you can hear it at the blog post. And, And then I started featuring some Jonathan Cho. That's right, Jonathan Cho. He's a Seattle journalist. They
1: were crickets, in case you didn't hear that.
0: Well, because people are not familiar with Jonathan show yet, and I'm hoping that we can have a conversation with him sometime next week, because he is showing many hotspots of open-air drug markets in Seattle. He is documenting it now more officially with a institute backing him. He used to be local uh, in terms of the news or the Como4TV, so... Um, I have a lot of interesting tweets, and one of them, actually, which is not in this post from, uh, what i I say, May 10th, one of them talks about the jail and the sheriff in yeah. Seattle, which is interesting.
1: That is interesting. And I think yes. Seattle can be a harbinger for what might come in Missoula, so I think that conversation is really important.
0: Well, I actually have a client back in the day when I worked at the the homeless shelter, the Pavarillo Center, and I've been... Messaging back and forth with Mr. Cho, so he's never heard of the Pavarella Center. I don't know <clears throat> if he's heard of the client I used to work with, but this guy was notorious. And Seattle would send him to Missoula. Um, Missoula would send him back. I think that was just me clearing my throat. Um, and so it's a uh, it, it's it's fascinating. It's okay. You can clear your throat. You have to you have to cough.
1: <coughs> Sorry. No,
0: it's okay. You look like something was like striking you inside.
1: It was. Okay. And there was a strange sound over there.
0: Oh no, that's just the the building settled. Okay. Oh, it actually could be. So a quick, quick, you know, pause in, in talking this interesting content. I had to shut the window because what's brewing outside is not just storm clouds, alley, It's Tangerine Stank. It's what? That's the name of the band that's going to be performing in Suite Two or whatever they call it, Tangerine Stank. It's, it. They sounded pretty good. They okay. were they were warming I've, up earlier. I've, and I was listening to the Tangerine Stink. Anyways, back to the content Whoa. here. Jonathan Cho who we're talking about. He's, yeah. n- he's not a member of a band called Tangerine Stank. He's a journalist. And he's documenting some stank on the streets of Seattle. You knew there was going to have to be some <laughs> kind of stank timing. I figured tie-in. that was
1: coming somewhere.
0: Shit, there had to be. And not just shit, but urine. And we're going to be talking about urination later. Oh, my later. gosh.
1: This is ridiculous. But
0: this is the reality. I appreciate, as I've been saying in my public comment campaign... Um, especially to the police commission, which I I talked to on Thursday, how much I appreciate the boots on the ground, people dealing with reality.
1: No, weren't we walking somewhere and I just was overpowered by the smell and you said something to the effect of, I don't even smell that anymore.
0: Yes. So it brought me actually back to the Pavarella Center because we were in proximity to the Pavarella Center. I was thinking that, yeah. Um, Yeah. So that... Visceral experience. I think that's,
1: that's also a picture of secondary trauma too. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I, I could have been triggered <laughs> at that point. Being
1: desensitized to that.
0: It's it's pretty interesting that that Cho is is doing some similar work in a larger urban setting. Seattle is dying is a documentary that provided so much consternation among local service providers when it was brought up, and it was definitely brought up, and that's why I can tell there was consternation because the reaction was I think. Was it homeless porn? Is that one of the one of the terms that was used? I think homeless porn was a term.
1: So what does that mean? It means
0: people that are basically consuming content that is gratuitously awful, just to. I, I mean, it's almost like doom scrolling on on the
1: you know whatever to the, feed for the you've sake. Got. So just one thought on that. I I definitely understand there are. And it is true, just in politics generally. It is true that sometimes, you know, we seek out information to justify what we already think, right? Like you're seeking evidence that already substantiates your opinion. Not I'm not saying you, I'm saying people generally mm-hmm. can have the tendency to do that. The problem though is when we throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, "Ah, we're not going to pay attention to any of that because it's just biased media or whatever," then we sometimes lose the essence of what's really going on and what's really going on is a public safety crisis.
0: Well, and that's why I'm glad to provide proof that fentanyl awareness day was a real thing. Fad. D- did you see that, Allie? So this was right after I was um, quoting the Missoula Current article about bruiser and bark. Um, who are into puphood and have some cafe and something about queer prom, which we're just going to gloss over. You can go check out the post if you want to read more about that. Um, But I transitioned to fentanyl awareness day and I'm going to read you the exciting, um, the exciting quote, because I don't know if you know, but like things are happening. So check this out. Tuesday marked national fentanyl awareness day in the U S and here in Montana, those leading the fight against the deadly drug are working to get their message across. Isn't that cool? So this includes Butte, where a fentanyl and opioid crisis was declared by Chief Executive J.P. Gallagher and Governor Greg Gianforte back in October. I'm going to keep reading because this is where it gets. This is where it gets good. Okay, a community action team was established in 2022 to brainstorm ways to attack the crisis head on. They released. Are you waiting for this? A strategic plan. Back in December, and they have been meeting in smaller groups to further flesh out their ideas. Well, I mean, it's it's. I'm glad that this is helping get me excited, and also the second cup of coffee, because what I wrote in the blog post is, wow, a crisis was declared, and then a strategic plan, and now meetings in smaller groups.
1: This sort of circles back to the meth advertisement comment from earlier. Um, is fentanyl the new meth?
0: You know, I'm not really sure. All I know is the guy that I'm looking at right now, uh, his eyes are demon-possessed, and the the headline, Man Threatens Man with Metal Tent Pegs in the Missoula Parking Lot.
1: It's kind of an interesting weapon of choice.
0: It is, and I really wish Nick Christensen would respond to me. I've sent him three emails. I kind of let him know the third one is going to be the last one because I was finally taking the hint that he just was not that into me but he'd scheduled me in the past on KGVO so I could talk about things like um, a non-compliant sex offender who assaulted two MDT staff and we're going to be getting to him but i am unable to be on KGVO it seems to to rock their airwaves to get those callers calling to to speak in in the kind of frank terms that i think they're kind of concerned about so
1: what, how does out. that relate back to the tent pigs?
0: Well, because KGVO is the—if oh. people aren't aware—in Missoula, KGVO is the—the basic—the one of the only. Uh, news platforms that consistently puts out the images the mugshots, and all of the felony uh, felony charges they're also the preferred platform for Kirsten Pabst or one of her lackeys to put out the weekly crime report so I suspect things that I might say in criticism of her palsies in the sheriff's office I, I think that would probably earn me a don't get on the airwaves don't let Travis on the airwaves kind of thing so just my speculation of course
1: I just had a thought
0: hmm what's that
1: so, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. This is the only thing this is, so I claim and I own this thought, like as as far as um, any government agency and in their performance or whatever, I think it's important, at least for me, to differentiate between some of the individuals that work within the office and then, the formality of the office itself. And so my beef ends up being when I feel like, the. I mean, f- first of all, law enforcement needs to be supported financially. They do. And otherwise, they need to have capacity to do the job that they that's required of I them.
0: made that argument at the, sure. at the police commission. Yep. Yeah,
1: and I think that's a good thing. And I think, so. so as not to be confusing, it's not just generally blighting an office or saying these people or this particular department is bad it's sometimes when it feels like a failure to act or certain abuses of power those are the points of contention it's not for the entire institution it's for specific cases at specific times and I think that's just an important distinction to make
0: it is, and that's why um, when I'm talking to the police commission overseeing PD, and that's city, it's interesting to say things to them like, "Hey, sheriff's office, not included in the DOJ investigation." Um, and the, I, I saw some looks like, "Hmm, really?" But we're going to actually segue now into that topic because we have, um, well, in, in certain ways, we're going to we're going to be segueing into that topic because it's going to be through the lifeguard group that we're going to be talking about the sheriff's office because there is a connection
1: through the looking glass,
0: kind of like that, but more like, um, through Lowell's facial hair, we're going to trans transpose ourselves into a wondrous land of silence of quietude. And we're like, Hmm, why is it so quiet? Where, where's the action? Because when you're in the fight against human trafficking, you, you kind of think of action. You think of stuff happening, You know, for example, what going in vans to the Super Bowl and trying to find the victims and save them—you think of that kind of action, right? That—that would be really sort of like on the ground. Hey, let's get some shit done. But it's been quiet. It's been so quiet. I had to document the fact that it's been weirdly quiet from the lifeguard group. So, uh, just a kind of interesting thing that a group that is oftentimes searching for missing people, especially if there's a connection to human trafficking. It's just, it's fascinating to me, the silence.
1: Interesting. So I guess organizations have the discretion of whether or not they choose to search for someone, even search and rescue.
0: And... Also, they should then have better explanations when someone like me, who has the freedom um, as a journalist to ask questions, to knock on doors, right. to say, hey, Carson, here's my card. Uh, are you familiar with my work? You're not. Oh, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and so Carson, um, Carson is working for the Lifeguard Group. His dad founded the Lifeguard Group. I talked on the phone also with Tammy. That's Lowell's wife. They're all working at the lifeguard group. You start getting a feeling that, hmm, keeping in the family, you know, why? Well, the connections start getting a little bit more entangled. And again, this is starting to go into the Joseph Thompson story. So Joey Thompson, um, I did confirm that that Tammy knew Joey's sister. And so there's, there's interesting things afoot. And the non-action is curious because... There was someone associated with the lifeguard group that did find the time to a to attend the MMIW, so the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women event. Uh, I was not planning on going to that. You wanted to check in. Yes. There was a table for Rebecca Barsotti that they were kind enough to include Rebecca yeah. in people that are missing. Yes. So um, it was in that spirit that I left after I started getting a bit agitated in my conversation with this guy, the poor young Native American woman was just probably like, why are these two white dudes starting to like talk about this organization? I'm not even aware of. Yeah, but I was interested in part because Jermaine Charlo, her case is back in the headlines. Her uh, ex-boyfriend
1: this. Oh, go ahead. No, you go. No, you go. Go ahead.
0: Her ex-boyfriend had some kind of sentencing, right? No.
1: Yeah, he did.
0: Was it sentencing?
1: He well, he was found guilty. He was found guilty. He'll be by sentenced the judge in September, I believe, his sentence. Right,
0: but it was by the judge. He was not facing a jury.
1: Yes, and I thought you were going to mention that the stolen podcast won the Pulitzer Prize for Jeremy or, and Charlotte. Was
0: it a Peabody? I think it was a Peabody.
1: I believe it was a Pulitzer. Was it? You know, I think you should check that out. You I'll, should. Maybe should, I, I, I'll i confirm
0: I'm that. All I usually do sure. when I'm when I'm when I'm on when I'm online in reference to the stolen podcast is usually just to kind of semi troll Connie Walker, um, and trying to like get her to respond about the fact that there's still things going on. But
1: I okay. just have to say I appreciate Connie Walker and I appreciate the attention that she's brought to Jermaine uh, Charlotte and this issue from Montana. And I hope to God well
0: that well, people shit. are
1: listening. Pulitzer
0: what? and Peabody.
1: Yeah, both. See, we both got it right.
0: Connie Walker awarded a Pulitzer and Peabody for her gripping podcast. So it's actually um, stolen, surviving St. Michael's. And so um, the Jermaine Charlo podcast was this launching of a... Um, I think what she was, she's going to continue doing series like this. Okay. But the one that's winning a lot of the awards, I think this is her father, I believe. So... Wait, um,
1: clarify that.
0: Her, this is more about her father.
1: Oh, okay. Well, we'll
0: the cover art for Stolen Surviving St. Michael's includes a photo of uh, Walker's father as a young boy when he attended the residential school. This image of the boy he was when he went to St. Michael's breaks my heart, Walker wrote on Twitter, but it also leaves me in awe of the man he was able to become. Now he reclaimed the beauty of our culture, language, and community in spite of it all. So, yeah, this is a pretty hard hitting one for her, obviously, because it's um, talking about personal family stuff and it's winning awards. And there continues to be narrative control here locally about stories that are connected to an organization like the lifeguard group that got pretty prominent featuring in that stolen podcast about Jermaine Charlo. So
1: congratulations to the stolen podcast
0: congratulations and as I'm scrolling down we we had the beginning um, at the end of this post about the lifeguard group this is where we start transitioning into the man who was arrested for threatening to quote put a bullet in a Missoula officer's head that's right okay mr. non-compliant Todd
1: oh that's right
0: back in the headlines yeah and and here's here's where I get to do something. I told you so, told you so, told you so, told you so, told you so. Dangerous person now in jail. Uh, actually, I should probably check it because he, he might be out by now. But um, pretty, uh, pretty frustrating. And we transition now into the next post.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: It's about Todd. Okay. Okay. And it's about the jail. And I- it's called Missoula County Sheriff Jeremiah Peterson has some explaining to do. This is May 11th. What were you going to say?
1: I have a question. Okay. As long as you're saying he's in jail for probably not that long before he gets released, okay?
0: But what he what he's in jail for is one of the funniest things. Okay. Threats in official and political matters. A felony. What is that charge, Allie? You have a legal background.
1: I would I truly, I'd have to look up the statute because I'm not very familiar with it. And I yeah, can get, get could, some Montana could, code annotated. Look up Montana code. Let me do that while and you, while, while you talk. You're, you're doing that. I will say Todd is one example in a huge system that I believe is being failed right now. What's going on with Montana state mental hospital.
0: Right. Um,
1: Besides well, the fact that I believe it just got that bill just got, I was be- just gonna, turned down by.
0: I was just gonna say the way that the the legislative session ended, the complete confusion, uh, the possibility of vetoes happening after they've already yeah. cine died or whatever the hell you call that mm-hmm. phrase, it is an absolute mess because we have not just Warm Springs that needed money, needed fixing. The right. the 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 head guy at Warm Springs quit after I think then less than a year. And so they're still struggling. And that affects our jail capacity yeah, in a lot of ways. So,
1: so someone like Todd, who would be, I think, a prime candidate for Warm Springs. I mean, so he gets a day or two vacation in jail and then he's released back. And well, that's I don't know
0: ha- because I'm st- I'm staring at some Montana code annotated. Allie, are you are you ready for this?
1: I'm please.
0: You get excited over these legal Sometimes. nuances threats and other improper influence in official and political matters. Okay? So this is 45-7-102. Um, a person commits an offense under this section if the person purposely or knowingly a 1 threatens harm to any person, the person's spouse, child, parent or sibling or the person's proper or the person's property with the purpose to influence a person's decision, opinion, recommendation, vote, or other exercise of discretion as a public servant, party official, or voter, or this is the second one threatens harm to any public servant, to the public servant's spouse, child, parent, blah blah blah. Um, threatens harm to any public servant or party official, the person's spouse, uh, privately addressed. So you kind of get the get the sense. And yes. again, you got the numbers if you want to go read read it. Um, but what's happening then when you go to the KGVO article? This is how. It it transpires according to what was reported. So on May 9, 2023, a Missoula Police Department officer responded to the area of Silver Park to assist another officer with a male suspect who had an outstanding warrant. So outstanding warrant is the point of contact. And uh, that's probably a failure to appear. So bench warrant, failure to appear, pretty standard shit. When the, when the officer arrived, he noticed the other officer had handcuffed the male, who was later identified as 48-year-old Todd Spence. The officer also observed a tent nearby that was occupied, which is weird. While the officer attempted to make contact with the occupant of the tent, Spence became extremely agitated and began yelling at him. The officers secured Spence in the backseat of a patrol vehicle and then conversed with the occupant of the tent. While in the patrol vehicle, Spence began kicking the cage and door and continued to escalate despite the officer's warnings to stop. Spence continually told the officer that his arrest was unlawful and the warrant was bullshit and that his rights were being violated. The officer explained to Spence that a judge was available to see him on his warrant and transported him to jail. According to court documents, Spence became very agitated about going to jail instead of going to see the judge and stated, I'm going to put a bullet in your head. When the officer questioned Spence about the comment, Spence denied it and stated he instead told the officer to put a bullet in the officer's head. (laughs) This is, I bolded this, I emphasize this part because this is so bizarre. Based on his training and experience, the officer believed Spence was attempting to influence his decision to take him to jail, to be seen before a judge on his warrant, and that the threat was an attempt to change the officer's decision so that he would potentially be released sooner. (laughs)
1: that's one way of putting it
0: what does that mean can you help provide any clarity because I am really mystified about that
1: because go back to the statute so it has to be the threat has to be in relation to the person's decision as like a public official and so to level that charge they have to develop a nexus between the threat and that person acting in official capacity
0: right and, and the attempt and to influence their decision. Right.
1: Someone saying, "I want to put a bullet in your head." I guess that can be interpreted as. I mean, I, I'm. It's curious why they did it under that statute, but um, he could probably also be pinned with intimidation or other things.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Well. In my comments to the police commission, I mentioned something that I also referenced in this blog post and it was Kathleen Jenks, a yeah. former judge back in February, I think of 2021. Let me just double check that. Um, yes, so this is February 3rd, 2021. And I'm gonna read this little snippet. So these are uh, this is a quote from the article. Things are really, really, really difficult right now for both the lower courts, but specifically municipal court. Municipal court judge Kathleen Jenks said, the county is refusing to hold our people. I emphasize that because I thought that was some crazy shit. That's because of a resolution passed by Missoula County commissioners last March. It says the jail will no longer take those charged with nonviolent misdemeanor offenses, nor those arrested for failing to appear in court. And it's all because of COVID-19. Missoula County Commissioner Josh Slotnick said it helps with staffing and other resources because he points out there's no other jail or plan B if there were to be an outbreak at the jail.
1: And that is true. I mean, at that time, especially that there is truth to what he's saying, that it would be overcrowding and that's especially in spacing. I mean, that was a nightmare. COVID was an absolute nightmare for the criminal justice system.
0: Right. Um, And you saw that up close working in a nonprofit capacity, but, um, what in, in one of the previous posts that we've already discussed, I did reference the fact that it's officially over. The COVID the COVID thing is officially over. Yes. And the question has to be jail capacity, what's going on? We we already know that the state of Montana houses people in the county detention lockup and that they shortchange the county in terms of how much they pay per inmate per night. That's been a longstanding um conflict. That's been sort of proceeding through litigation, actually. So county against the state, I have questions and I'm, I'm sure there's ways to, to get the information, but um, federal jurisdictions that might also be using the county detention facility, their ability to compensate the, the, the sheriff's office, what that might mean for safety, for public safety and a hippie named David Winterburn. Are you ready for this hippie?
1: Why do you say he's a hippie?
0: Well, because I was given a, uh, a source. I have a source on this guy. Rasta Dave is, is his name. Sort of like his street handle, his name. He's not a homeless person. He just kind of looks like one in his mugshot. But David Winterburn was arrested for burglary of a residence. Okay, this is a felony. Felony theft. And then he was released. And then he lost his shit. One of many people losing their shit in Missoula, Montana... Mr. Winterburn, though, when he lost his shit, Lowell school went on lockdown as a precaution.
1: That's unfortunate.
0: It is very unfortunate. And the question is, okay, how are we screening people? How quickly are people that might really be presenting as having some significant mental health issues and might be posing a risk to the community? Are these people being flagged? And is there anything we can learn when someone like David Winterburn is released and then so quickly loses his shit? Had a pretty serious firearm, from what I understand. I actually know someone that saw this uh, firsthand all play out um, close to his residence. And so these, these things people are in our community are feeling in a visceral way because they're happening in front of them in the daytime. They're not being kept to the normal pockets of of. Uh, sort of socioeconomic misery that in years past it was able to keep there's a real big hope that you know tourists are going to be coming back full strength this year people are wanting to make money and survive if they are able to yeah inflation shit's getting expensive and rasa dave lost his shit and now he's in jail all right Uh, let's see, we are getting maybe close. Oh, that, that picture of, of Todd. We're just going from one fun thing to the next. I also made some public comments, but you're making a silent comment. And that silent comment is the T motion for taking a break. So we are going to take a break. We're going to hit the pause button. I actually, the coffee has gone through me. So that's going to have to be a part of the pause. And coming up, we're actually going to be talking about a urination experience I had last Uh. weekend. Come on, it's about the Portland Lou, Allie. Okay. Okay. You almost used it yourself. I didn't. <laughs> well, I did, and I'm going to tell you about it after the break. All right, and we are back. Business has been attended to. The Tangerine Stank, I can hear through the walls. They are they are rocking.
1: I can hear them, too.
0: So, The Tangerine Stank, um, I'm, hop- I'm hoping the people are having a good time at the show and if they are traveling around, if they're downtown, okay, like I was last weekend walking around, I did not want to enter a bar just for the reason to potentially be crowded next to some dude, having to urinate in a bar. I don't drink alcohol. That's another reason. Yeah. Don't want to be in a bar. So guess what, Allie? What? I had a positive experience with public infrastructure. Oh. I used the Portland Lou.
1: I thought you were gonna say you held it.
0: I no, I, I you know I had been holding it. I had been holding it. I did not want to risk some kind of law enforcement interaction because an alleyway back in the day, you know, may have been an, uh, something if I was drinking, less discretion being used. Um, any, any means of outdoors for a guy. I'm not gonna get into too many details, but also back in the day. I probably scoffed, and this is what I, I use that word, I probably scoffed at the idea of the million dollar art park getting a stainless steel Portland loo. But then I used it seven years later, and I, I was in that loo, urinating, thinking of city council.
1: Isn't that British?
0: The loo part, yes.
1: Why? I mean, why why don't they just call it? I I can't explain
0: why they decided to go with that name, but I will read something from seven years ago. So check this out. (laughs) Oh, this is from the Missoula Current. Thanks, Gomer. I love your shit. Estimated at roughly one million, the art park will transform Pine Street between the museum and adventure cycling into something of an outdoor plaza. Complete with seating, flower beds, trees, all things that I could pee on, and a collection of sculptures. I would not pee on a sculpture. The mayor's downtown advisory Good. council, something I used to be a part of, had identified the need for a public restroom in the north end of downtown. I think I was part of that conversation. Like, literally. You probably
1: were the one who suggested it.
0: Yeah. Not the Portland part, though. Millen said, waiting for the loo to arrive. Okay, I, did I just skip past that? The mayor's downtown advisory council had identified the need for a public restroom on the north end of downtown, Millen said, waiting for the loo to arrive. Oh, I guess he said that as he was waiting for the loo. <laughs> they looked at other cities and what's out there before landing on Portland Lou. Madden Fabrication bills the Lou as a quote unique solution to a universal problem. Just wait, just wait. Hold your hold your breath. Manufactured in Portland, the units are easy to maintain, resistant to vandals and well ventilated, hence the collection of louvers lining the top or louvers? Levers? Louvers? L O U V E R S lining the top and bottom of the walls so it was a positive urination experience i can now attest having used the portland loo late at night on a weekend but why because i had to pee
1: no but what (laughs) I, i don't understand how is it any different than a porta potty
0: well so it's safe okay because you can see things so if um the the slats allow you to um be both private but having ventilation and you can you can private see. and
1: public <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, we are going there. Y- yes, actually. But you should don't mock it until you've dried it. <laughs> no, I, now, I I'm a convert. I, Once, I really
1: don't want to.
0: Well we're gonna check it out next time we're downtown. Um and then because really what I want to show you ultimately is going to be the pretty pretty crosswalk. It's a, it's a rainbow crosswalk. And yeah. not only is this crosswalk like rainbow, it, it has to be maintained, which is pretty awesome for whoever's job it is to maintain the rainbow. And it ha- it has its own sign that has not been ripped out of its concrete, you know, base and then thrown down a flight of stairs, like one of those other signs oh, on Bear I Tracks Bridge. No, this sign has a, has a picture of the rainbow bridge. And I took a picture of the picture of the rainbow bridge on the sign. Are you wait, following?
1: Wait, No.
0: I know it's, it's yeah, confusing, it's, but that's a lot. Let me just read what's on this sign in 2018 Empower power Montana and the city of Missoula installed a rainbow crosswalk near the art park as a symbol of solidarity and visibility for the LGBTQ plus community. The crosswalk is a colorful contribution to downtown public art. So earlier tonight I provided a loud contribution to public art. Also, there were some murals being shown in, um in the alleyway that the radius gallery reigns r-e-i-g-n-s reigns and i say that because the radius gallery they got a hundred thousand dollars in tax increment financing for the building next to them which is now part of the (laughs) gallery i was checking it out i was sitting there ogling it they probably thought i was going to come in and get some art except i was on a bike which if i bought art how could i bike away with it
1: right that came from the transportation conversation on That's what
0: we were, you thought we were going to be missing something. You thought we were at the end of the posts and you're right. I did not like hardly even write about the, the The, transportation presentation in the Wilma.
1: Yeah. How Um, how
0: could we have almost missed that?
1: Was that must've been Wednesday? Wednesday. Or Tuesday? I don't know.
0: It it does kind of run together, but one of the fascinating things about this presentation, I think
1: it was Tuesday,
0: and the whole meeting is who who called the meeting. No,
1: it was it was Fentanyl Awareness Day. I remember it, it was May 9th.
0: Okay, well there you go. Fentanyl Awareness Day provides some actual helpful <laughs> it marker was a grid. for for those of us that can't have a trouble tracking the week. Um, Fentanyl Awareness Day it helps give you the marker that that was when we entered the Wilma. Yeah. And we were presented with the lane reduction plan. That was also part of, I think, my presentation at Noise Complaint at the X's tonight. I think I was talking about lane reductions, maybe how I was blighted. I think possibly how there's still a war going and the battle's been won by them, but the war rages on. I think that was part of what I was saying.
1: It was a pretty civil conversation on Tuesday.
0: Mm -hmm. It was because the opposition strategically stood down and they listened to people like me make the first comment talking about the actual... Uh, infrastructure of the bridge and how dangerous it is for bikers to both merge on with pedestrians to get across the bridge and then as you're going north over bear tracks bridge to merge back into traffic so that the vehicles if they're not looking to their right and they're trying to take a right on the front street they're going to take your shit out
1: I think and i'm avoiding
0: my shit getting taken out
1: people made fairly insightful comments all they around did. i I I thought it was a really positive forum.
0: And the guy from Zara Gallery was the one that talked about how art oftentimes is not biked out at right, downtown. That's right. So he was making a, a defense of cars and the reality of cars because there was one commenter that said, hey, some other place just made it a walking downtown and right. it's great. And I think it's outside
2: of the box thinking it's crazy outside of the box thinking. But I'm the little plant that's coming in here.
0: Then controlled opposition. You know, <laughs> manufacture I, consent. <laughs> I
1: don't think that guy was a plant. He was. Like, I, I think, think he truly believed. I think he was a true believer. He was
0: a true believer. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, also, there's um, a belief that you need to work and get paid. And the the guys standing around, one, two, three, four, five, I'm glad they all got paid to make the little crosswalk colorful again. And that multimodal transportation is so popular in, in Montana that the four months out of the year that you can enjoy colorful crosswalks without snow on it, um, and you can bike around. I'm glad that there's mm-hmm. so much emphasis that, that – The money for infrastructure, for transportation, will continue. They're chasing a grant. So 25 mil or something for the federal grant is ultimately what they're chasing. One of the benefits for the opposition to the lane reduction part of this three-part scheme that they're going for in the SAM, S-A-M is what they call it, um, safety and something Something. modal. I don't know. But um, if you want to know more, there's information out there. The opposition has years until this comes to fruition. They're talking about even once they get the grant, it's probably going to be a couple years before they redesign everything. So two, three years out, ultimately, is what we're looking at. And by then, America may not exist. We could just be a smoldering pile of rubble.
1: I vehemently disagree with that.
0: Okay, well, some of us are definitely America will
1: rise again.
0: But I'm glad that we were reminded to t- discuss that presentation because who called the presentation? Who I mean, obviously the city presented, but was it the opposition? Because Nick Chakota offered the Wilma as some kind of neutral site. What does Nick Chakota truly think of the lane reduction lane reduction scheme? Is he on board now? I don't know. But Logjam presents, Top Hat. Um, I think even Groove was all sort of signed on against the, the lane reduction part. So there were a lot of businesses.
1: Um, there was not as much vocal opposition that particular night.
0: Nope. There was not.
1: Also questions of who actually hosted the forum. Mm-hmm. Whether, That's what I was saying. Whether, yep. Yeah. Whether it was the city or others, but um, I do find it interesting that it was thought that the quote opposition was the one hosting the forum. And so with that, I would, I would have expected more vocal opposition had that been the case,
0: yes. And I just now realized why I was so fired up earlier today. Why? Um, the litigation that is now happening against Daniel Carlino. Oh,
1: yeah, I knew there was something else. City Council members yeah.
0: that's that's another yeah. one. Write that down. Um, that is actually near the end of the May 12th post, which we are now sort of getting into, since we got that old business of the transportation presentation at the Wilma off our minds, um, to get back to the post that I started talking about at the very beginning. Our Missoula community advisory group was spared my public comment. And that's good because part of my public comment would have been in support of Daniel Carlino, who is being litigated against now, and FOIAD, so Matt Sullivan, who feels that him and his wife have been defamed and uh, harmed in some way. Their reputation harmed, their valuable reputation, so Kachin Kaching. And Dotsopoulos is going to be representing Matt Sullivan as he goes after Daniel Carlino in response to all of the attention Daniel Carlino was making to Matt Sullivan's project, turning some once upon a time affordable housing on Front Street into, I think, 26 units. Matt Sullivan, he has gotten $257,924 in tax increment financing for this housing project. I think he even got some kind of variance or not variance. Maybe he was one of the right-of-way vacations. Sounds like fun vacation, but it's not, it's a legal term. But Daniel Carlino now is facing litigation. He has faced, like I have, significant retaliation for not being down with TIF. That's tax increment financing. He had his lease ended. By Barbara Kustra, I discovered that at the time because I was investigating why all of a sudden his lease was was up, Mm -hmm. you know, which, you know, Barbara Kustra, she's definitely allowed to do that. Interesting side note, Barbara Kustra, one of the um, claimants in that litigation against the University of Montana. Oh, sure. So. Lots of stuff brewing it's, uh, in this Daniel Carlino litigation scheme because, the, I mean, they won the, the whole tax increment financing legislative battle in Helena. Right. SB 523 um, was was put aside. It was tabled. It was done. And they're still really butthurt that, that there was some kind of viable opposition to some of these local projects that are going on. So yeah. Daniel Carlino's in the crosshairs once again.
1: So notably... Receiving TIF funds is not illegal, right? And so it's a manifestation of the city's priorities where that where that money goes. And I'm assuming Mr. Carlino was referencing that. And I don't know. I would have to read the comments and, and listen back to what was specifically said.
0: <laughs> well, part of it is, I think, what Daniel Carlino is saying could be coerced um, in a policy, policy-wise, policy what could be conditional with, with TIF money? Um, can you make affordable housing conditional? Can you force some of these units to be affordable? This kind of goes back to the 4th Street condo conversation when <coughs> um, in order to vacate a portion of this condo project on 4th Street on the other side of the river, uh, can you can you kind of use that as leverage so to speak, right. in order to get the developer to include affordable housing. The developer does not have to.
1: Right. So we're in sort of an interesting gray area with some of these policies. One of the, I guess, like for the purpose of this conversation, at what point does something become maliciously speaking about, like Mr. Sullivan, right? Um and it's one thing to have a policy debate; it's another to specifically like target that business. I'm not saying that is what happened at all. I would have to like review the comments and and like look sort at sort of what more is being closely. alleged
0: though by by Mr. Sullivan as he yeah. gets pretty pricey legal representation in mm-hmm. Dotsopolis, Uh What kind of representation Carlino has? I don't. Would he be covered by any kind of policy where, as a representative? That they help foot the bill is this going to be on the on the tax dollar potentially for Daniel Carlin to defend himself, or does he have to come up with money himself to be? I,
1: I don't know the details of of this particular case and whether it's like as a public official or a private individual.
0: Well, this was and just breaking news, and it was probably a good thing. Like I said, I was not providing public comment to this advisory, whatever yeah. the hell, because. Uh, One of my former bosses, who's now in a Department of Everything position, uh, she was there and getting ready for the land equity presentation, whatever the hell that means, land equity use. I I would (laughs) have, the best thing I did when I realized there was no public comment, because they kind of said there was going to be no public comment, realizing that's why I was there, was to make public comment, and I said, essentially, well. Since I can't make public comment about the drug ep- epidemic um, ravaging and overwhelming our community, then I guess I'm going to leave because I have better things to do. So essentially, I kind of did make public comment, but it was recorded, not live streamed. So I can't I can't snag a snag a version quite yet. I'm gonna what be do looking. you mean
1: it was recorded, but not live streamed?
0: Uh, I do believe they're going to like. They're going to present the recording of it later. It just because they're they're playing this weird thing where it was a public meeting, but they they weren't allowing public comments. So it's
1: interesting because I just remember pre-COVID, I don't remember every public meeting being recorded. It it seemed like it
0: was an invitation to the public that was um, handed out sort of but not necessarily they they weren't required to actually go through the public process so the public was invited bob Giordano was there so a multimodal advocate who i ran across as i was being multimodal as well walking on a sidewalk yes um bob reached out to me and said thank you for some of the advocacy that i've been bringing attention to and so i appreciate that from bob um kind of seems like bob may not have seen some of the critical writing i have had against some of the multimodal zealots in support of transforming our transportation infrastructure, but it is a hot-button topic for us locals here in Missoula, Montana. Yes. We, We look at bridges because we have to use them. Another thing I'll just mention, the pedestrian bridge on the north side that thing just went up in cost because inflation is out of control. So something oh, right. something that, that was going to be $1 million to address it went to 2.5 it's now going to be $3.5 million.
1: That's a lot. That's a pretty substantial increase.
0: It is, but here in Zoomtown, money does grow on trees, which is good, and you can get it if you know the right people and you donate politically to their c- campaigns. So it's just a matter of doing the right thing for the right people. I haven't, so
1: I will say that we are soon encroaching on a season where we will need a favor that money can't buy.
0: Until then, I'm going to have this song for the cartel because they have a lot of money, and if they come into our community looking to target narrative busters, trying to expose the fact that they have a presence here, and we should probably be worried about it. Well, um, I hope they appreciate my my singing. Maybe I could yeah. be like a. You know, in the empire of the cartel that's taking over America because Title 42 is ending and apparently there's hordes that are going to be invading America yeah, very, very soon. Uh, maybe they'll they'll just like let me make some songs with my ukulele. You know, I can be pretty entertaining. So if that av- allows me to avoid a bullet in the head the way that Todd Spence threatened law enforcement, you know, yeah, hey,
1: that's not to do that.
0: Yeah, don't do that, kids. So we are gonna end with that song for the cartel. Allie, thank you for joining me tonight. It's a, yeah, it's you. a an evening where I can hear the noise out there. Tangerine stink. Yeah. Supporters are, are getting excited.
1: And I can hear the coffee growling.
0: It is it is kind of a sign because it's it's empty. What is
1: it? What the coffee pot. The, the coffee machine. Yes. Yeah.
0: All right. A gift from Jerry.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Jerry.
0: Thanks, Jerry. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you for tuning in. We will be around hopefully next week, but crazy stuff does happen. Don't want to get too confident in saying what the heck might happen next week, but I got a few ideas, a few things to write about. Um, some of the people that might be hiding stuff. Well, you might get a little bit of light shown on you. So, oh, I got to show you a collage I'm working on too. That'll be for another post. Stay tuned. Zoomcron Cron Weekend Review. I've been your host, Travis Williams, Skink, Mateer, Ali, thank you for joining me. Thanks. Good night. Oh, the week is long. The risks are real. So maybe it's time just to sit back, and instead of trying to beat them, you just write a song about them, huh?
2: They're not bad. They're not from hell. They're just your friendly drug cartel. Do not judge or discriminate because their customs are a little strange. Have you played football with a severed head? Maybe it's a sign of deep respect. Have you watched the dock? Sicario Or is Ozarks A better show They're not Bad They're not from hell Just Your friendly Drug cartel Do not judge or Discriminate Because their customs are a little strange Have you drizzled honey on naked skin Then kicked the nest, so the ants dig in Have you the doctors to prolong the pain And politicians Play your game. They're not bad. They're not from hell. They're just your friendly drug cartel. Do not judge or discriminate because the customs are a little strange. Have you highways and mountain drops And some pastors and strategic cops Have you rituals to bow or set And enough washing cycles to fuel the jet They're not bad Not from hell, they're just your friendly drug cartel. Do not judge or discriminate because the customs are a little strange. I don't think you've ever played football with a severed head don't understand the common language of badge and criminal respect yeah Uh, i've watched the movie sicario oh and all the seasons of ozarks on netflix because it's an informative show because they're not bad they're not from hell they're just your friendly drug cartel, do not judge or discriminate, because their customs are a little strange.